Welcome to the Weight Loss for Fertility podcast. When you're trying to get pregnant, whether naturally or with the help of a fertility doctor, weight loss can better your chances of success. I'm Dr. Stephanie Fine, and I help you do just that. Let's go. Hello, fabulous. It's Dr. Stephanie Fine here. We talk about weight loss for fertility, and it is time for the Ozempic conversation. And I'm going to tell you what I know about it and the official recommendations from various entities, just so you have all the information. Okay. So first, we're going to start with what they are, the medications, because Ozempic isn't the only one, how they work, the data showing they work, side effects, cost, and then the reproductive considerations. Okay. That's the outline. That's what we're going to be talking about. So let's start. The bottom line is they're GLP-1 agonists. It was originally used and is still used as a way to control diabetes. So many people with type 2 diabetes can use these medications. In general, compared to weight loss doses, the diabetes doses are smaller. But what they noticed is that people were losing weight. And so, of course, they did studies to show that, in fact, they help with obesity and weight loss. So the one that you probably have heard of is Ozempic. Ozempic is the trade name of semaglutide. So semaglutide is the generic name. It's a weekly sub-Q injection, so, you know, under the skin, and it's a GLP-1 agonist. Okay, so here's the thing. Semaglutide is called Ozempic when it's used for diabetes, the lower doses, and it's called Wagovi if you use it to treat obesity. It's literally the same exact medication. The dosages are a little different, okay? So you hear everyone say Ozempic. That's the one for diabetes. Technically, it's called Wagovi, but the generic is semaglutide. Same medication, okay? That's just for your clarification. So Ozempic was approved in 2017, for medical use in the treatment of diabetes. And in 2021, Wagovi was improved. Remember, the same medication, semaglutide, was approved by the FDA for use in weight management. Okay. And now there's another one out there called terzepatide. And the trade name is Manjaro. And that one is a GLP-1 and GIP agonist. Okay. And so that has two parts, and it looks like it actually works even better. It's also a once-weekly subcutaneous injection, and it's used right now for help with diabetes, as Manjaro, and very soon it will come out with another name, and I don't even know what it is, for weight loss. Like Ozempic has Wagovi, Manjaro will have some other thing, and that will be used for weight loss. What happened even before semaglutide was approved for weight loss, when it was approved for diabetes, people were using it for weight loss. And that's what's happened most recently, especially with when it was approved by the FDA. Then many people started using it, really as Wagovi, but people called it Ozempic. Likely the same thing will happen with terzepatide. Say that three times fast. <laughs> because it works even better. Okay. So anyway, those are the the 
two main medications that are the new kids on the block. New is relative, but you know, that's what we're talking about here. They are a game changer because they work differently than any of the other medications that were used in the past. Things like Fenfen worked with serotonin. They're other appetite suppressants who had stimulants. There were different ways that they got appetite to be suppressed. And these use the GLP-1 and GIP agonists to help that. And I will actually go into that a little more. So not every drug works for every patient. We're going to, I'm actually going to talk about that a little more later, but let's, let's talk about the GLP-1. So GLP-1 stands for glucagon-like peptide 1. It's made in the small intestine, and it is released then when you eat, okay? And this agonist increases glucose-dependent insulin secretion. Why that's important is because it's when you eat. That's really important. So it's not just all the time. It responds to eating, which is a benefit. It also decreases inappropriate glucagon secretion. Again, that's important. Glucagon's from the liver, and it makes you have higher blood glucose. So it decreases that. It slows gastric emptying. That's going to be very important when we talk about side effects and things to consider. And that's something that keeps you feeling full longer, slower gastric emptying. And also, it acts in the areas of the brain involved in regulation of appetite and caloric intake. And that's a big deal, like the sense that you don't want to eat as much. So that's why these things are are working so, so well. The GIP part of the tirzepatide is a gastric inhibitory polypeptide. It works similarly to GLP-1. So it just increases the glucose-dependent insulin secretion also. It doesn't do everything that GLP-1 does, but it sort of amps it. It supports it. It increases it. So that's how those work. In terms of the data that was the thing, you know, physician scientists look for data in a randomized, controlled, double-blind, placebo-controlled trial and what that means is that when you do studies, you want to give people injections or whatever, it, you know, if we're studying something with pills, it would be pills, but this is injection. So you would give everyone an injection that looks the same and feels the same every, every week. And some people would actually have the medication and some people wouldn't. And no one knows, including the person giving the medicine and the person taking the medicine, no one knows if they have the actual medicine or they don't. That's so important because then you're really looking at just results. And they did those studies with these medications. And the semaglutide one came out in 2021, and it found a 15% reduction in body weight on average. And it looked like compared to placebo, so 15% reduction in the people taking the medication and a 2.5% reduction in the placebo group. And so that's a huge difference. The other thing about the semaglutide one, it was a long study. And that's what they've, they've actually done this. They've done a nice job with this 68 weeks. So it's over a year. And that's really important too, because some of these weight loss studies they'll do, you know, in two months or three months or what, I mean, it just like, it's not, it's not useful. But 
the one for terzepatide, the Manjaro one, they did it 72 weeks and the and they did three different doses, dosages, so 5, 10 and 15 milligrams and it showed 16, 22 and 24 basically kilogram loss versus a 2.4. So for kilograms, I don't know, we're talking about 35, 45 and 50 pounds lost versus six. So it looks like the stuff works. Now, that's not telling you anything new. If you've met anyone who's taking it, you've seen that it, that it works. So that is something. But it always gives me pause. I always, I've been doing this long enough that I've seen medicines come and go. So anyway, so of course I'm noticing and I'm looking at this. And what I care about most is sustainability, right? If you've listened to this, you know that's the case. And here is the problem. When the patients went off of the medicine, guess what happened? They gained the weight back. They gained the weight back. That is such a hard pill for me to swallow. That is the that's the part. So the idea is that this is a lifetime medication. And that I can buy, right? If I mean, and the argument, of course, is that if you have high blood pressure, you're taking high blood pressure medicine for your whole life. If you're diabetic, you're taking diabetes medicine for your whole life, which you are. And if you have obesity, then you take obesity medicines for your whole life. That could work if you want to take medicine your whole life. And there may be reasons to do that. So there's, that's between you and your doctor, you and everything. I can work with people to get weight off and keep it off forever. And they don't necessarily have to be on medicines. Now, is that everyone? Maybe not everyone. And maybe this medicine is perfect for somebody. I mean, I'm just going to, my spoiler alert is it hasn't been around long enough for my tastes. That's, that's the only thing. But I mean, many, many people are taking it. So you get to decide your risk. Now, again, I'm going to, spoiler alert with the whole pregnancy thing, hold off. So we're going to talk about side effects now. The main side effects are GI side effects. So diarrhea, constipation, that sort of thing. Of course, one of them is that your appetite goes way down. That's the, that's the way it works. So in, in practicality, what I've seen is that people are not hungry and then they just don't eat. And some people have even said that they don't think about food. And I know someone who, she used to love to like read cookbooks and all, and she has no interest whatsoever. And she's actually sad about that, but she's lost a lot of weight. So, I mean, there's, it's a, it's really an interesting medication. What's exciting about this medication to me, I will say, is that I think we're going to be able to learn a lot about cravings and the brain and the biochemistry of the brain and addiction and all that sort of thing. I do think this is, there's so many interesting things to learn from this. But let's go back to the side effects for now. So there's that, there's uh, the GI side effects. Now, and the things that are the scary or worrisome. So pancreatitis can happen. And there is a black box warning. What black box warning means is that there's something very important to consider. And it is that thyroid cancer tumors were noted in rodent studies. And 
they think that that's possible, therefore, in humans. And we don't know who and we don't know when, but they have said that it's in the the drug box. It's contraindicated in pregnancy, which we will talk about more, and in patients with a personal family history or family history of medullary thyroid cancer or multiple endocrine neoplasia too. Those are certain types. It plays on those cells. We don't know exactly. We don't know the long term. Again, this is why I was saying about I don't it's not studied long enough for my taste that we don't know what happens down the road, especially if you have to be on this medicine for the rest of your life. What happens? It would be very it's important to to know that kind of thing. I mean, I think it's important to know. You you would everyone would get to make their own decision. When you take the medication in terms of side effects, you want to avoid dehydration. And and also remember, we talked about the gastric emptying is delayed. And so if you take pills, they absorb differently. And especially things like hormones, if you're taking them in pills, if you're taking them as an injection, doesn't matter. But if you're taking them in pills, they will not absorb as well. So you do have to take that in consideration. If you're taking oral contraceptive pills, which you would need to do if you were on this medication. I mean, you don't have to take pills, but you have to use contraception because it is contraindicated in pregnancy. So the those are the main things to look for is the thyroid cancer risk, pancreatitis, and then, of course, the nausea, diarrhea, constipation, those sort of things. Those those smaller ones, the nausea, diarrhea, and constipation, tend to increase with increased doses. Some people can tolerate it just fine, and some people can't. Like, they can't be on the medication because the nausea and diarrhea are too much. And the pancreatitis is something. They will follow your lipase because, of course, if you are taking this, you have to do this with your doctor. You need a prescription, and you need someone following you. Kidney function and gallbladder disease are something else to look for besides the thyroid. Now, they're not at this point they're not recommending screening for thyroid things, but that may be something your doctor wants to do when you have a new medication like this, like it's kind of like the Wild West, like everyone's trying to figure out what's the best thing to do. That is not my favorite way to take medication, by the way. <laughs> Wild West medication. The other thing is the cost. So it's about fourteen hundred a month. Now this is May of twenty twenty three. I I don't know exactly if that'll go up or down or what that is. That's out of pocket fourteen hundred a month. Again, if you have to be on it for the rest of your life, that's a big number. Insurance may or may not cover it. If it doesn't cover it, that's how much it costs. If it does cover it, sometimes it will. If with a BMI over thirty or a BMI over twenty seven with a risk factor. So it's possible that that some insurances will cover that. Also, the drug manufacturer was giving uh, c- coupons. And it's very interesting. They were giving coupons, so it was very inexpensive for a year, even if it was out of pocket. But of course, it's kind of like a drug dealer, right? They give you it for free, and then you are addicted and you want more, right? <laughs> so, I mean, so it's smart marketing on their part. But that, of course, so cost is an issue. And... The reproductive considerations are, of course, mainly what we care about right here at Weight Loss for Fertility. And so it's important to know. It's contraindicated. So that means do not have it in pregnancy and even the beginning of pregnancy. So people 
are recommending to not have it even in co- at conception. The FDA has recommended that you have at least two months washout period of not being on the medication before you even try to get pregnant. Now, I will tell you, we have no information about egg retrievals. No idea how that affects eggs or whatever. And of course, it's a complicated picture, right? Because we know that weight loss helps. So weight loss helps, but we don't know what the drug actually does. So how much of an effect do either of them have? Do they wash each other out? Do they not? We do not know. Okay, so that's the bottom line. Do not know. At this point, of course, listen to your reproductive endocrinologist. That is the person that you should be talking to about any of this and and you know, following their advice, listening, finding information for yourself, but then also running it by your reproductive endocrinologist. I, I am very conservative, so I wouldn't recommend it. But I'm over here in my little corner and I am not doing the reproductive endocrinology stuff. So it is for sure your reproductive endocrinologist who you should be talking to about this just in terms of retrievals, but not in terms of being pregnant. And it is very, very clear that you need at least two months of no medication before you conceive. So a fresh transfer, you'd need to be two months out. A frozen transfer, you'd need to be two months out. And of course, what's the problem with that is there's weight gain when you stop the medication. So this is why it's a very confusing time for this with a drug that works, but in my opinion, too new for us to make any headway on it. So the way that I see that anyone in the fertility world can use this is if they have a lot of time. Often that's not the case. But if you have a lot of time, then you could try, you could like, you know, lose weight for a year on the medication. You can stop it, see what happens, how quickly you regain it. I know there are some people out there who think that they're going to lose weight for a year and then they'll go off it and then they'll be able to to eat the way they were eating before. I hope that's how it works. That would be amazing. I would be so happy for everyone, but I absolutely have my doubts. If you're not doing the work to have new habits and think of food differently, then it's there's no way it's not going to come back because as soon as you're hungrier, you'll eat more and you'll eat more of what you were eating before. Now, if you're doing both, there might be a, a chance that you could keep off the medication. But then see, I don't want to blame people because this medicine works on your brain. And so it's easier when your brain is calm. And learning how to manage it is a whole different animal. That's the that's the kind of work that we that I do with people because that's the part that's so important. And the way that I work with people, you can use during pregnancy, during retrieval, after pregnancy, during lactation, everything. My whole purpose in life is the safety of this and the fact that you can do it forever. So the use of this medications to me is clear not two months before. I would say retrieval, but you talk to your reproductive endocrinologist about that definitely before any transfers. And it's not a cut and dry idea. Everyone's idea would be, it can potentially be welcomed here. So I'll tell you this, the FDA, as I said, recommends that you stop semiglutide. By the way, you have to stop semiglutide if you're taking it for diabetes too. This is not just a for weight loss. Any person on a semiglutide, any person on a GLP-1 agonist or the Manjaro either, they have to stop it 
two months before trying to conceive if they're just using it for diabetes. It's the medication. It's not the whether it's for overweight or diabetes. You're not you. The FDA says not to do it. The American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology also says that medications for weight loss therapy are not recommended at conception. And the American Diabetes Association also says the same thing, that transition to a preferred therapy should be initiated prior to conception and contraception should be used until they get their blood sugar under control with the new medication. So the ACOG, ADA, FDA, everyone's on the same page that it's not recommended for people who want to be pregnant in the t- time around that. So that's that. That's our reproductive considerations. For lactation, also up in the air, don't know that we don't know if it goes into the breast milk and if it does, if it affects the baby's hunger. I mean, I, I, I just, I would not do it. Yeah, that's the bottom line <laughs> for lactation for sure. I, I, I just wouldn't. That would be that's the way I would be thinking about it. And what I want to also tell you, just to drive this point home, is that it in utero exposure to the medications causes fetal abnormalities. It increased miscarriages in animal models and also size of the baby and birth defects for the offspring of the animals. So there's reason to think that there's a problem during pregnancy in humans. Now, it turns out, you know, they don't do studies on pregnancy, on pregnant women, typically, anything like this, but there have been women who were pregnant, who found themselves pregnant and were on this medication. And so they've enrolled those people into studies. And those studies are scheduled to come out in 2027 and 2033. That's in a long time. Maybe then we'll know more about this, but we're not we're not there yet, in my opinion. So though that's the problem. That's the reason for the recommendations. And the last piece I will say is that, and I started to say this before, is I've been around a real long time and I've seen these medicines come and go. You know, FenFen was removed because of heart valve problems. Like when we have a weight loss medicine, there are so many people affected by obesity and overweight that and and it's such a hard problem that a medication so many people want to be on it so we end up having a lot of people to study in the real world and once that happens that's when other things are are noted and so that's what happened with fenfen i'm afraid that's what's going to happen with this but i of course i don't know but as i said i'm super conservative when it comes to medications I mean, in good and bad ways. Like if someone has high blood pressure, I think they should be treated. But we want to do ones that are very well studied, have been around so long, are are known what happens in pregnancy, all that sort of thing. And so to me, this medication does not match that definition. It's not been around long enough. It works really well. But we cannot use it in pregnancy. And so that limits our use of it, the people here in weight loss for fertility. The good news is there are ways to lose weight, I promise, that don't feel terrible and that last forever because they're skills that you learn and I really can help you do that. I honestly feel that way. And in fact, that's the way I came into this whole field is that 
I came into it before, you know, Wagovi. <laughs> so, so anyway, this is how I feel about it. I am happy to answer any questions you have about this. So you can DM me at Stephanie Fine MD on Instagram, or you can go to my website, stephaniefinemd.com. That's F-E-I-N. And you can contact me there. I'm happy to help you lose weight. And I'm really happy to answer any of these questions. Also, please talk to your reproductive endocrinologist if you'd like to. And if they don't seem to have the information, I'm happy to talk to them or to you. However, that is my Ozempic talk. I am just sending you so much love. It's so tempting to want to use a medication. And like I said, if we find out in 2033 that it works like a charm, amazing. We'll see where we are as the years go on. But I think you're amazing. I think the decisions you make when they're well thought out with expert help work so well. You can take all the information and make great decisions and definitely go to your reproductive endocrinologist about this. And then ask me a thing or two if you'd like. I'm sending you so much love. If you follow, share, rate, and review this podcast, you'll be helping it reach others just like you and making their journey with weight loss and fertility just a bit easier. Lighten their load. Share in your groups and social media. Thank you, fabulous. Fabulous.